You're listening to the Paleo NP Podcast, episode number 33. Welcome to the Paleo NP Podcast. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and creator of MarthaFlorence.com. I live in Anchorage, Alaska with my boyfriend and fur children. I'm here to share my take on integrative health, nutrition, and fitness, answer your questions, and talk with health and wellness experts. You can submit your questions at MarthaFlorence.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Head on over to the shop page, that's marthaflorence.com slash shop, or you can find the link in the show notes where you can find products and services that I've tested and love. And when you shop through me, you not only directly help to support this show so I can continue to provide great content for free, but you can also have the peace of mind to know that I've done the work to find the best options out there for those who are looking to improve their health from both the inside out and the outside in. Get started optimizing your health now. That's marthaflorence.com slash shop. Also, if you are listening to this episode when it releases live at the end of December in 2018, you have just a few more days to sign up for the Find Your Perfect Diet course. You can learn more at marthaflorence.com slash findyourperfectdiet, that's all one word, or find the link via the show notes at marthaflorence.com slash 33. Now is the time to stop following other people's rules about food and start making your own. So a few weeks ago, I wrote a blog post about whether or not coffee was dehydrating and bad for your hormones. I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes because I'm not really going to talk about those specific things very much today, but the short version is that it's not dehydrating in moderate amounts and in some individuals it may mask HPA, that's hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access dysregulation, which is what we call um, adrenal fatigue or what we used to call adrenal fatigue, or So it might mask that or make it worse, but in most people, it's safe and probably even beneficial, um, especially for athletic performance. Back in July, there was an article in the New York Times, which I will also link to in the show notes, that reported coffee drinkers may live longer. Now, you might be familiar with studies in the past that have linked coffee drinking to a lower risk of death, but this article examined a study in the Journal of the American Medical Association, which I'll also link to, um, which found that drinking coffee is associated with a longer lifespan and lower rates of what's what's called all-cause mortality. So that means the risk of dying from all causes. But the really interesting part about this article was that it found specifically that the risk of death from cardiovascular disease and cancer, which are two of the top five causes of death in the U.S., was actually lower in coffee drinkers. This study looked at almost 500,000 men and women. It looked at their coffee consumption, whether or not they had genetic variants that affect caffeine metabolism, because some people are slower to metabolize caffeine than others. And they found that people who drank at least one cup of coffee per day have a 6% lower risk of death than those who drink less than one cup of coffee per day. People who consumed eight or more cups a day, which seems like a lot of coffee to me, though these probably weren't huge cups, maybe more like your average 10 or 12 ounce mug. So people who consumed eight or more cups of coffee had a 14% lower risk of death. First of all, if you don't already drink eight cups of coffee a day, please don't use this as justification to start doing that in order to lower your risk of death. I know that if I drank that much coffee, I'd probably never go to sleep and my heart would probably beat itself right out of my chest. So please use good judgment here. 
Also, this was an observational study, so that means that it doesn't prove that coffee consumption causes a lower risk of death, but it shows an association between coffee com consumption and a longer life. As far as I can tell with this study, there wasn't any adjustment for uh, socioeconomic factors. So you could potentially argue that if you can afford to drink eight cups of coffee a day, you might have more money and better access to healthcare, food, or other services that would contribute to a longer lifespan. So we can't say that coffee is the only contributor here, but this study does show that there is an association between coffee consumption and lower risk of death. In 2017, there was another study that looked at a very ethnically diverse group of people in Hawaii and Los Angeles and reported a link between daily coffee intake and a reduced risk from death from all causes, which includes heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, kidney disease, and respiratory disease. So these folks had less of a risk of dying for any reason compared to people who rarely or never drank coffee. This study found that people who drank one cup of coffee per day have a 12% lower risk of death, and people who drink three cups of coffee per day have an 18% lower risk of death. This study was actually really interesting because they found that the results were the same whether it was caffeinated or decaf coffee, which means that it's not likely the caffeine itself that provides these health benefits. So coffee has tons of polyphenols and antioxidants, and those are likely mostly responsible for many of these reductions in mortality. A study done in 2014, which was a meta-analysis of 20 other previously published studies on coffee, also found that coffee consumption is associated with a decrease in overall risk of mortality. So based on the research, it appears that drinking coffee leads to a longer life. So why does coffee consumption correlate with living longer? First of all, in terms of cardiovascular health, uh, one meta-analysis of about 36 studies found that there was a strong positive association between coffee consumption and decreased risk of cardiovascular disease. The lowest risk was in people who drank three to five cups per day. And that heavy coffee consumption does not correlate with an elevated risk of cardiovascular disease, even though you'd think that people who just who drank a lot of coffee would be having pretty significant heart palpitations and be incredibly jittery. That actually doesn't cor correlate with an elevated risk of cardiovascular disease. Coffee consumption has also been associated with a lower risk of stroke. People who drink at least one cup a day have a 20% lower risk of stroke than people who rarely or irregularly drink coffee. It's also linked to a higher HDL cholesterol and a lower LDL cholesterol. And I realize that lower LDL is not something that directly correlates to cardiovascular health, but it does play a role. There's also a reduced risk of metabolic syndrome and type 2 diabetes with regular coffee consumption. As I mentioned before, coffee has a lot of polyphenols in it, which act as antioxidants. So coffee also has been shown to decrease inflammation, and a lot of cardiovascular disease and other chronic illnesses are a result of inflammation and oxidative damage. So that's likely one of the reasons that coffee has such a huge impact on cardiovascular disease and improves cardiovascular health. Now, even though this all seems positive and great, and like you should just make sure that you're drinking your one to five cups of coffee every day, or one to eight cups, I do want to highlight a few things about scientific studies in general that are important here um, to note. So with all of these studies, even though the conclusion was that coffee consumption correlated with a lower risk of mortality, 
there were people in all of these studies who drank coffee and actually had a higher risk of death. Some had no change in their risk of death, and then a majority of the people had a lower risk of death. But you can't make the claim that everyone who drinks coffee has a lower risk of death, unfortunately. And this is just what ha- what happens when you deal with averages. So the average person had a lower risk of death, but there were people in all of these studies who had a higher or unchanged risk of death with coffee consumption. So as a healthcare provider, I treat individuals, not averages, but that's not to say that averages don't matter because they do drive a lot of what I do and how I practice. But we also need to be aware of individual responses to things. So if you don't like or tolerate coffee, don't assume that you should still be trying to drink it because it will lower your risk of death. I typically use information like this to justify something that is already happening. Like if you're otherwise in good health, you probably don't need to quit drinking coffee because it's probably not actually bad for you. But as I discussed in my blog post on this, there are actually a few situations where coffee consumption or just caffeine in general isn't really a good idea. Individual responses to caffeine depend on things like genetic which, genetics, which I mentioned earlier, but also on your hormone status, specifically your adrenals. So if you're stressed, if you're sleep deprived and having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, if you have that huge energy crash in the afternoon, or if you're dealing with a chronic illness, coffee, at least caffeinated coffee, probably is a terrible idea for you. And as I also mentioned in my blog post on this topic, your morning cup of coffee doesn't actually wake you up. It's really just blocking your ability to feel tired. So physiologically, your body may be exhausted and telling you to rest more. But if you're blocking that signal with coffee, which in turn depletes you even further, then this is why coffee is probably not a good idea for you if you're struggling with fatigue or any sort of chronic illness. But this is also why coffee is great for athletic performance, because it does block your ability to feel tired. Again, I'll link to that article that I wrote in the show notes um, so you can read more if you're interested. As far as caffeinated coffee goes, about 50% of the population are what we call slow metabolizers of caffeine. Caffeine metabolism is regulated by the CYP1A2 gene. If you are a slow metabolizer of caffeine, drinking coffee, specifically caffeinated coffee, though decaf coffee is not free from caffeine entirely. Um, So drinking specifically caffeinated coffee, but coffee in general, is associated with a higher risk of cardiovascular disease, hypertension, impaired fasting glucose, which is like prediabetes, and may not have many of the protective benefits against certain types of cancer that are found with people who are fast metabolizers of, of caffeine. Caffeine has been shown to be neuroprotective and reduce the risk of Parkinson's disease in both slow and fast metabolizers. And then other studies have shown that fast metabolizers of caffeine may actually be at a higher risk for things like bone loss than slow metabolizers. So if you want to know for sure if you are a slow or fast metabolizer of caffeine, you can get an at-home genetic genetic testing kit and find out for sure, um, something like 23andMe. Uh, if you don't want to go that route, you can probably make a fairly educated guess as to where you fall. A lot of people who are slow metabolizers of caffeine don't actually really like coffee because it makes them feel jittery. These are the people who drink one cup of coffee in the morning and still can't sleep. So that's not a perfect test, but it can give you some clues. 
I would also say that if you are a slow metabolizer of caffeine, I definitely don't drink, don't recommend that you drink multiple cups of coffee daily. You probably would be better off with one cup in the morning if you really like it and then switching to decaf or just plain water or tea after that. If you, like me, actually just love coffee and you're concerned about caffeine, I would encourage you to switch to decaf because as I talked about when I was talking about the specific studies, it doesn't appear that the caffeine in coffee is solely responsible for its benefits. If you are a caffeinated coffee drinker, I don't recommend uh, switching to decaf cold turkey because you'll probably end up with a pretty hefty headache. I do suggest doing it slowly. Even though I don't think I'm a slow metabolizer of caffeine, I actually drink half-calf or decaf coffee most of the time. Sometimes I will have a cup of fully caffeinated coffee first thing in the morning, but if I drink any more than that during the day, it's usually decaf. I would also recommend that anyone who is a regular drinker of coffee take a little caffeine hiatus a couple of times a year. This can mean just switching to decaf or stopping for about a week or so and not drinking any coffee. Again, I do recommend that you taper off slowly because I've done it cold turkey and it resulted in a headache that was impossible to get rid of and lasted for a couple of days. The other thing that I want to address, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, is coffee quality. Because while this wasn't something that was specifically addressed in any of these studies, it does matter. A lot of coffee companies actually sacrifice the potential health benefits of coffee for substandard production practices in the name of money, which is not uncommon in the food industry in general. These substandard processes can destroy a lot of the beneficial compounds that are found in coffee, and it can also introduce potentially harmful compounds. So many of these companies focus on speed, convenience, volume, and cost cutting, and they negate the potential benefit, the potential health benefit from the coffee. Other companies care the most about taste and they don't care about anything else, which still doesn't mean that they're doing a good job. You want to make sure that the coffee beans that you are getting aren't haven't been sprayed with pesticides or other harmful chemicals while they're being grown. Coffee is one of the most heavily sprayed crops, and a lot of times companies will buy beans from places that don't have a lot of environmental regulations and that use a lot of pesticides in order to increase uh, crop production. Also keep in mind that just because you are buying organic coffee does not mean that you're getting a high-quality product. Only about 3% of the coffee you can buy is actually truly organic, and then it's often substandard beans, again, where crop yield is prioritized over quality. Unfortunately, I don't have any coffee brands to recommend. I drink one that is roasted by a local roaster in Anchorage, Alaska, which is not organic, but I do like that their decaf option is the uh, Swiss water process, which doesn't use gross solvents and that's the problem with decaf coffee is the solvents that they use to decaffeinate the coffee might actually be worse than the caffeine in some cases. So you want to make sure if you are drinking decaf that you're looking for Swiss water processed decaf coffee that doesn't use any harmful solvents. And again, I apologize that I don't have any good brands to recommend. Uh, doing research in that area is kind of tricky because you don't get the information that you want from the companies. Like you don't know if, they're, if their crops are actually organic. Um, so I do recommend doing some research and seeing what you can find. And if anybody has a great uh, coffee brand to recommend to me, let me know. Um, and I will do some research myself and update the show notes if I find anything. So that's it for this week's episode. I hope that there was something here that you found useful and that I didn't leave you with more questions and answers. I think the main takeaway here is that if you're a coffee drinker, you probably don't need to change anything. And if you're not a coffee drinker, you also probably don't need to change anything. 
But if you feel like coffee or caffeine doesn't serve you or you're relying on it too much, that's where you can get into those sticky situations. I hope that you found this interesting. And if anyone you know might also find it interesting, I would love it if you would share this episode with them. Also, if you aren't already subscribed, make sure to do so so that you don't miss an episode. As I said last week, I am trying to get these out more consistently. But if you aren't subscribed, you might miss an episode when it comes out. So if you feel so inclined, I would also love it if you would leave a rating or a review on iTunes or in the podcast app on your phone. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time. 